Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Michael. And I'm Andy. What's up, Andy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, man? I didn't ask, but I'm doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) We are back, guys. And don't forget, we're also back on YouTube. You can watch every single episode in pretty crystal clear video, if I'm being honest with myself. And you're also getting... Uh, pictures and all the stuff that you would Google while you're listening right there in front of your screen. Thanks to my lovely wife, Kristen, who edits our videos even better than I edit the podcast. If you listen to the last few episodes, I've, I've missed a few things. Andy was just telling me before the show that I missed another outtake in one of the episodes. And oh my God, y'all, um, what have, have I done this before? I don't think I've done this before. Have I done this before, Andy? You're slipping, Michael. You're slipping. Right. Vac- you you, you got to get back into the Apparently groove, Michael. Apparently I am. Took like two, a little vacation. What, 200 episodes in and now I can't fucking edit a podcast all of a sudden. Yeah, man. You guys I, took I a... apologize for that, guys. That's a little look behind the scenes, I guess. Took your first um, vacation this whole time. Do you know for... about where that is? If somebody wants to go find that little Easter egg? <laughs> find it for us. <laughs> let us know. Uh, this is what I need. I need a whole bunch of proof listeners that I can send my podcast out to. I'm just going to start sending it to you, Andy, before it, <laughs> before before it goes on. It. Be like, here, listen to this. Is this tell me, good? Tell me how it sounds, baby. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> tell me good things. Tell me good things. Instead of telling me days after... <laughs> days after it's one day after okay because uh yeah if you guys don't know we record on thursdays and then we release the following wednesday so it gives us six days of production time and i still can't edit worth the shit so hey man, you gotta make those you, whole, go. you gotta make those intros all the time it's got a lot of you got a lot of brain space taken up it's <laughs> way too much i don't have a lot to begin with but like i said guys uh please check us out on youtube if you're not subscribed on there guys please do it helps us out a ton it helps us to get our channel monetized and actually helps support the show on there just by downloading and subscribing i think we're at about 1400 subscribers on there which is crazy because that's only a fraction of our listeners so if you guys even if you don't listen on youtube please check out true crime guys on youtube hit that subscribe button it'll help us out a ton thank you so much also another way to help us out patreon.com slash true crime guys where you guys can get access to everything we have ever made and i put a post out on social media and patreon uh i'm super excited about this guys patreon has finally added collections Finally, I, I, I have <laughs> I have suggested this every once in a while. We are we are what Patreon calls a founder on Patreon. I guess because we we got there so early, so we're grandfathered in on a lot of things. But really, I think they just do that so they can bug you about your opinion on their platform. But every time they have, I've said collections. We need to be able, like YouTube does. You know how you can make playlists? Same thing. Yeah, we need Same folders. Thing. We need to divide. We need we have something so to much divide. Content. Yes, we need to divide the content in some way other than just when it was released. Because we we would throw vault episodes up there a whole bunch in a row, and then you would have to scroll pages in between Patreon exclusives that were released right after each other. So it kind of got out of hand. But I went on there. And I pre-made a bunch of collections for you guys. So if you just want to listen to all of the regular True Crime Guys proper Patreon exclusives, you can do that now. All I think there's like 70-something of them. And the later ones all have video with them as well. And then uh, if you want to listen to all, say, Higher Thoughts or the uh, Just the Banter, when me and Lauren were doing that, I think Andy came on right at the end of Just the Banter. So all of those catalogs are separated, and you can listen to all those shows in order. You can listen to all 40-something episodes of Higher Thoughts in order. That's kind of crazy. I didn't realize I had that many. Uh, I mean, if you got a, you've got a whole bag to go through, that's a long gotta, session. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm telling you. we got some thoughts, man. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sandu Stories is on there. But anyways, guys, again, that's at patreon.com slash truecrimeguys. You can check the link as uh, right below the description of this episode as well as YouTube. Um, 
Next week, guys, we won't be here on the free platform. We will be on Patreon, but here on the free platform, we'll I guess we'll be doing headlines and shenanigans. We will be so doing some headlines. So we will be here. We will uh, be here on YouTube as well, doing headlines and shenanigans, which is, uh, you know, if you guys aren't aware, it's the show we did all summer. So, I mean, maybe you didn't listen, but it's basically a, a show where we talk about funny and current things in the true crime world and just in the world in general, honestly. Yeah. If you guys remember Strange Shorts, it's kind of what Strange Shorts has kind of yeah. evolved into to kind yeah. of bring it all into one one channel. So Exactly. And if you don't know Strange Shorts, you can go on Patreon and listen to the whole collection. They're there. Uh, <laughs> but that's enough of that, guys. Uh, let's get into this week's episode. I thought we would take a break for some cults. Uh, I've had about enough cult shit for a couple weeks, but we will we will get back into it. We have a whole list of cults. They to just go keep through. popping up everywhere. They're everywhere. They never They're stop. Uh, people just love to be accepted, man. They just they do. They need that acceptance. They need that community. They're just going about it the wrong way. They're so close. <laughs> like last week, the cult was so close, so close. And then so... you had to go and make kids slaves. And it's too far. Oh, they always just lose far. it on the kids every they time. They lose it on the kids. But this week, we're doing something uh, completely different, a case from the 90s. Okay, this was a just a one-off random murder for no apparent reason. Um, it is it is de- donned the pizza killings uh, or the thrill killings, depending on uh, where you're from. I know a lot of people seem like in the local area of New Jersey called it the thrill killings, um, simply because that seems why that seems to be why these these two perpetrators committed this crime. Um, of two young delivery drivers from Tony's Pizza in New Jersey, they had their lives tragically cut short when they were ambushed and killed while delivering two cheese pizzas to a local home in rural Sussex County on April 19, 1997, changing this small community forever. And it's just, this case just kind of shocked me in the way that it happened. Um, it's kind of everybody's worst fear of the absolute random act of violence. Well, it's not even yeah. like a, you didn't piss off the wrong person. Mm-hmm. You weren't like stalked by somebody. This wasn't a, right. a known perpetrator in the area, like a serial killer. It was a pure and, random thrill killing. And that's what scared the public so much. It was. This could just happened and to here, two random people. Exactly. And now in this day and age, I feel like this could even, this would be even more likely to happen because who doesn't have like every Everything delivered. Yeah. It's like, I remember my parents telling me growing up in the 90s, they were telling me how, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but one of the most dangerous jobs is pizza delivery. You know, people used to say that shit all the time. They're like, oh, number two worst job in America is pizza delivery. It's right after firemen or whatever. Most dangerous. And I was like, what? Yeah, but how? This case, this case proves it. Uh, and it, it proves that, you know, sometimes if you have a bad feeling about something, you should you should listen to that feeling. But it is a it is a sort is a sad story. It really is. But it's um it's it's one we need to cover. It's one that deserves more attention. I was really surprised. There's not that much out there. There's one book on this that is, uh, in my opinion, not not the best, not the best written. It's a book. light read. Um, it's, it's a very a, light read. It's, it's like 150 pages. Um, it's like a young adult. I, novel. I have I think I have more than the summary of it for sure, and we'll be talking a little bit about that author of that book and some of the uh, the interviews and whatnot that he had with the the killers in this case. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think that's enough prelude. You want to get into it? I think it's about time, Michael. All right, let's roll that intro. We'll see you on the other side.
You guys ordered the two pizzas? They had a total $16.50. Yeah, uh, uh, Tommy, you got the money? Yeah, I got the money. It's right here. Oh shit! Fuck! guys our case this week like we said is the pizza killers and i wanted to start this case like this is a very short story just start to finish you know this could be a, a 10 minute episode if we wanted it to be and obviously in true crime guys fashion we are not going to do that we're going to discuss and i dug deep on this and i want to lay out this story in in a proper fashion so andy uh if you would would you cue the music i uh, would michael that we selected earlier to kind of set the scene here in rural sussex county Go ahead. Very nice. Very nice. Don't let it get too loud, Andy. Got to keep it just the right mood. Perfect. So in the depths of rural Sussex County, New Jersey, an atmosphere of safety hung in the air. Farms stretched out as far as the eye could see. Dilapidated houses whispered tales of long-gone inhabitants and charming antique shops nestled in quaint communities. Little did anyone know this idyllic backdrop would soon be stained with the blood of two innocents, sparking an unprecedented frenzy of national and global attention. Tragedy knows no bounds, and the arms of violence can reach even the most unsuspecting of places. And Sussex County found that out on that fateful Saturday night of April 19, 1997, when the unsuspecting Tony's Pizza and Pasta in Hardyston, New Jersey, received a mysterious call. The voice on the other end of the line requested two pizzas to be delivered to the address of 196 Scott Road in nearby Franklin, New Jersey. But this request was far from ordinary. Tony soon discovered that they weren't the only pizzeria to have received a call to this address. The caller had brazenly reached out to numerous other establishments, only to be met with refusal, as they were too far away and it was quite late. In hindsight, some believed these businesses sensed something sinister lurking beneath the surface and elected to decline them service. Yet despite the unease and suspicion, Tony's Pizza and Pasta ultimately gave in. However, they were not foolish enough to send their 22-year-old employee Jeremy Giordano alone into the unknown. No, the owner, Giorgio Galara, went with him on this ill-fated journey, determined to see his employee get home safe. And so, at around 10.30 p.m., Laura... Galara and Giordano left the pizzeria heading for 196 Scott Road, having no idea that tonight 
would forever shatter the illusion of peace in Sussex County. So here's where we'll pick up. So Giordano and Galara, they pull up to the house. Under the cover of darkness, 17-year-old Jason Vreeland and 18-year-old Thomas Koskovich. We'll be referring to them mostly by their last names, Vreeland and Koskovich, for the rest of the episode. We're standing in the driveway of what appeared to be an abandoned house. Okay? So as the car came to a halt, Galara, positioned on the passenger side, rolled down the window and told the boys that they owed $16 and some change. I think it was $16.50 or so for the pizzas. And suddenly, Vreeland turned to Koskovich and whispered something about having the money. Then Koskovich reached into his pocket, but instead of money, his hand emerged clutching a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol. Gunfire immediately erupted. The car became a battleground as Galara and Giordano fought for their lives. Vreeland, armed with a 22 caliber revolver, instinctively fired with Koskovich. After the deadly exchange, Koskovich and Vreeland coldly discarded the lifeless bodies from the car, where they fired a few more rounds to confirm their kills, before leaving them sprawled out on the ground. There's no money or anything was taken from the scene. There was no robbery whatsoever, which is important. Hmm. It was later determined that Koskovich fired the fatal 45 bullet that claimed Giordano's life, and Vreeland killed Galara with a single 22 bullet to the back of the head. It's like Richard Ramirez style. It's it, like that that's just planned. There's only one way you can do that. Like that this is important. Freeland never admits to this shot. Yeah, he never admits to the kill. Like he says he he even says like oh, I didn't fire in the car. I just fired into the dash. Yeah. And then but well, there you are hit something on the way to the dash, friend. But there's two bodies laying in the ground with a 22 caliber bullet in the back of one of the heads. Exactly. So and we know from studying true crime, you know, if a 22 caliber bullet enters the skull, it doesn't come out the other side. It bounces around in there. It did. That bullet never touched the dash. But as the killers ran back to Koskovich's vehicle, Koskovich was the older. As I mentioned earlier, he was 18. Vreeland was 17. Koskovich said, I can't believe we did this. I can't believe we did this. And they're excited, okay? To which Vreeland replied, I love you, man before they hugged and got back in Koskovich's car. Like, they are on cloud nine right now, Andy. They, they obviously, this is what they plan to do. Uh, I mean, this action's by Vreeland. Does this sound like somebody who was drugged into something? You just hugged your best friend and said, I love you, man, after killing two people. It seems like you're in grid spirits about this. It, it seems very much like this was a planned attack. This was something you guys were thinking about, you were excited about, you were ready for this to happen. And yes, running away and almost cheering you're you're not making a case for yourself that you were like manipulated into anything. You not, <laughs> no. you kind of seem almost as willing a participant as you could have been. I mean, yes, there is the little bit of the whole like if one if one was more aggressive, would the other one mm -hmm. have done? It's yeah, there's always that always. debate, but yeah, when you're kind of cheering afterwards, you you don't really give off the manipulated yeah. victim card. No, I think these guys were kind of the fire and gasoline situation. You know, they were both ready to ignite, and then having having someone back them up that felt the same way, it was an easy decision for them. Mm -hmm. So, on their way to Koskovich's house, uh, he and Vreeland stopped in front of a church in Franklin, where they apparently got out of the car, made the sign of the cross on their chest, 
and probably barfed. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they did. Probably still in shock a bit. I mean, that's they, what I'm saying. They they got to be in shock at this point still. Or the shock is wearing off at this point. Like that's probably what they might be coming up. Like, yeah, kind of just in a, or maybe still a state of shock being like, I don't well, know what to do. Like we just, oh God. Like, well, that would be the, shocking if yeah. they did pull over and ask forgiveness and repent because they, they certainly never did that from their victims' families and they certainly never apologized either. Um, once home, Koskovich put the guns and bloody clothes in a bag and placed it under a pane of glass outside his house. I, it doesn't really explain this much. I mean, was it stained glass or something? Because that seems like the worst place to hide something. That's what am I thought I, am too. I wrong? Like I, you, was it like an old window? <laughs> I, I heard the same thing and I was looking through it. And I was like, a pane of glass? A was pane this of glass? You know, was, that's see-through. That's literally like the doing? one thing you, it's like you, you could right? just hit it in water. Like just yeah, a bucket of water. A nice fresh bucket of water <laughs> Yeah, too. like a bucket of water. Nice and clean. Uh, but uh, local police, they went to work fast. Uh, they were determined, obviously, to catch these cold-blooded killers that had rocked their small community. I mean, people were freaking out at this time. This is not something that happened in this small rural community. Um, so, starting with Tony's Pizza, they traced the last call, which took them back to a Dunkin' Donuts, which was very was walking distance from the pizza place, basically. And the truth slowly emerged as Dunkin' Donuts surveillance footage from that night revealed Koskovich and Vreeland casually borrowing a phone book at 10 p.m. Remember, this is the 90s, so yes. You would, yes, he but was d- borrowing a phone it book. It is strange to go to like a Dunkin' Donuts and be like, can I borrow is your it? phone book? Like, it, that's just, a, well, it's like a weird place to be like, hey, I need to make a call. Can I borrow your phone book and then go to this pay phone? I guess it's, maybe this was a different time, but like, you would think that in most pay phones, most pay phones used to have a phone book in the pay phone. Like, I, like that was always a thing. There was like a book in the pay yeah, phone. Yeah, but or I there feel like, like by 97, they were all messed up. They were yeah. all like, they were all fucked up. They were all torn and shit and half the pages were torn out because somebody was like, ah, that's the person I'm looking for. And they rip it. <laughs> yeah, all the, <laughs> they take the, all the Terminator down. assassins coming through right. time are like, yep, that's the page. <laughs> yep, that's my guy. Next <laughs> next cyborg comes through, that's my page. Oh, he took that's, the page I needed. <laughs> that's what I imagined as a kid. I was just like, who would tear up this phone book? I guess people really needed those numbers. And now Michael as a casual smoker in his adult life is like, that's where all those papers went. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> that inhalation. inhalation. Though. Not good for you. Those yellow pages, baby, burn <laughs> real well. <laughs> but yeah, so they were caught on camera using Dunkin' Donuts uh, phone book and probably the phone outside of there as well. I mean, because they can't make these calls at home, you know, they can't have anyone hear them ordering these pizzas because they, no. they, we find out later they called many places, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of referenced that in the beginning as well. And they couldn't make the call at the house that they were having it delivered to because that was just an abandoned house. Like they didn't live there either. So they couldn't right. go to the home and make the call there and have them just yep. deliver it to the house. Yep, Exactly. Um, Also, according to the New Jersey Herald, a local paper, a friend of Koskovich named Christine Slater contacted the police on April 20th, 420. She informed them that Koskovich had mentioned his desire to kill a pizza delivery person on the day of the murders. Yeah. It's not a good thing when you're kind of just casually spitballing ideas with your friends like that. Like, never just spitball your murder ideas. No, (laughs) Never just kind of like those, you should keep those hidden. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, never blue sky those yeah. with your friends. No. Like that's that's always one of the things. It's like, did you just maybe randomly it? question how to kill yeah. your balls? <laughs> like, oh, you know, I'm just just spitballing. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> like, you, you guys rather a group text? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like, an email thread. Yeah, uh, would that be better. Huh? <laughs> I'll just comment on your Facebook post. Um, but yeah, so he told a friend, probably trying to impress this girl. 
that he wanted to kill a pizza delivery person. I don't think that's a coincidence. He he very much seemed like the kind of I don't want to say like like the Dylan Klebold uh, Columbine shooter. He was kind of one of those edgier late nineties like kind of tough kids who wanted to seem like really edgy. Like yeah, he was the kind of guy who was like he like I think it was it's either Koskovich or which one of them is it who used to walk around the hallways and literally like jump at you and be like, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. He was just he was trying yeah, to that was probably he wanted to be an antagonizer. He wanted to scare people. He like that's so so even kind of hearing that from a, a friend right be like that's just him being creepy. He's just creepy. So I could see where it might be get blown off, but exactly. So yeah. Uh, additionally, a resident of Scott Road, where the murders took place, called the police and reported seeing Koskovich's car on the road that night. So, between the surveillance footage, the testimony from the friend, and then the Scott Road witness, the police felt like they had plenty for an arrest. And so they arrested Koskovich and Vreeland on April 21st, 1997. Upon searching their properties, the police found guns, blood-soaked clothes in a gym bag, and Galar's wallet. Why did you, I mean, but also they said nothing was stolen. I guess they didn't like, think that like, because they did, they left the pizzas out back. I guess they didn't see anything apparently stolen at first, but yeah. I guess that maybe they took the wallet and that they didn't notice. That is weird to but, me that the, that the police, I just now thought about that, that the police didn't say that, or at least every article I found said that nothing was stolen from the scene. So it made them think it wasn't a robbery, but I mean, a wallet. I mean, this guy was 25 years old. He was the owner of this pizza establishment. He had a wallet. You would think so. If, like, if his wallet's not at the pizza place, yeah. it's not in the car. My man been driving for almost 10 years. He's got a wallet. Yeah, he's a business you know owner. Right. He's got business cards in that wallet. It just it just seems odd to me. Uh, the local paper reported that Koskovich confessed while Vreeland claimed that he did not harm the victims and only shot the dashboard, as Andy was talking about earlier, to prove his loyalty to Koskovich. And you, listen, man, you may have been aiming at the dashboard, but that ain't what you hit. Yeah. There's a 22 caliber bullet in the back of Galara's head, and that's, you just can't, you can't argue that. Well, they, they did say that there was, there was eight shots fired into the car, and like seven shots were fired from the 45, and one shot was fired from the 22, and that's and in that's the car. And that's all it took. But that's in the car. Now maybe he did when he shot in the car. Maybe oh, he didn't so kill him. So you're saying maybe he, when they pulled him out, he did shoot him. And he just doesn't want to confess but listen, to that. Dude, they they put that at his cause of death though. Was the, the 20, 22? The 22 in the skull was the cause of death. Yeah, but whether I'm saying, he did it in the car or on the ground, either way. Yeah, I know. I'm saying this guy I deserves think, life. I think he's just not wanting to confess that he did execution style kill him. He's mm. saying, oh, I just fired into the car. And they're thinking, you know, oh, he just got hit by one of, you know, his bullets, not mine. Right, right. It's like, no, we found your gun and your bullets in the back of his head from an execution killing. Exactly. Like, exactly. Now, Vreeland, uh, who was a minor, he was 17 technically, when arrested, was sent to juvenile detention center. While there, he allegedly told another inmate that he only shot the dashboard and that he and Koskovich wanted to experience what it felt like to kill someone. So which is it, dude? Which is it? I'm still surprised even at 17 in like New Jersey, he was tried as a minor for like a, for a murder like this. And well, 19, I mean, I'm, he was, but he still got life. So, I mean, he I mean, did eventually, but it's the like, the only just thing the idea. being a minor did for him was not give him the death penalty. That's it. True. Yeah. But it's like, I'm surprised I didn't even immediately just be like, oh no, you're getting tried as an adult. You're 17 and you just cold blooded murdered somebody. Like, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't even remotely consider like, nope, no juvenile. Exactly. Well, this isn't all these fellas did. The police looked into him and 11 days 
before the killing at Adventure Sports, a store that sells hunting, fishing, camping supplies, and of course, this is America, firearms. It was later found out that Thomas Koskovich broke into the store while his friend Michael Conklin, who was 19 years old, waited in a car ready to escape. The robbery was successful because the store's alarm system didn't even work properly that day. Koskovich stole three guns, a 22 caliber revolver, a 44 caliber semi-automatic pistol, and a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol. I feel like that Michael Conklin guy, he is one of the, like, I don't like to use the phrase dodged a bullet, but he like had the, like the gut reaction to be like, yeah, I, I, I may be okay with being your getaway driver for a robbery, but like when they started talking about using these guns to specifically rob someone, kill them, then sell the guns, get drug money, like they were trying to do all these other plans. Michael Conklin was just like, I was okay with robbing a sporting goods store. Yeah. You guys go well, from here. Like, and, and Conklin was also down for the original plan with the guns because um, Koskovich wasn't completely honest with Conklin. He, the reason he wanted these guns was obviously to kill someone, but what he told Conklin, according to Vreeland, was the original plan was that Koskovich and Vreeland were to sell the stolen guns to buy cocaine and then sell the cocaine. Okay, so there's no paper trail getting the cocaine. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So I ask, why didn't you just do that? Like, I would much so much rather you do that, right? That, then this is just a story that they tell their friends, and they're not in prison, and we don't have this awful story of you taking someone's life. Like, if you wanted to be a badass, you wanted to be a gangster or whatever, why didn't you just go with this original plan? Because they, they didn't want to be uh, a gangster. That wasn't they, about they trying to, to kill be, someone. He wanted to feel what it felt like to, to be a murderer. He yeah, wanted to take yeah. a life and not to be cool, not to be a gangster, not to be tough. Yeah. It was a pure thrill killing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but later on, the plan also involved robbing, not killing, two pizza delivery workers. And Conklin was supposed to be part of it too. However, he decided to bow out when Koskovich started talking about murder. Because I'm sure Koskovich was like, well, you know, if they if they stand up to us or we meet any resistance, we'll just shoot them. Yeah, we, get, we got to. Like, we got to kill them then. The like, way that these guys talked about pizza delivery guys as if they're not 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 only are they people i mean gosh they were people that they knew vreeland and uh the the 22 year old jeremy pizza i believe de- jeremy he they knew each other they went to school together they like, i'm 90% sure I'm, i could be wrong in this and it may have been in the book but he does saw they they called Tony's Pizzeria and, uh, originally and asked if Jeremy was working that they night. Did. And they did. And they said yes. He so is. they so originally they were like, well, we know him, so let's not do that. Exactly. And then they called all these other pizza places, they called all around and everybody turned them down and they went back to Tony's. Yes. So it's like they even knew who they were going to be killing. That's it's, right. It, yeah. Now, yeah, and uh Vreeland uh, he recalled a talk between Conklin and Koskovich where Conklin asked Kos- Koskovich, he said, why target pizza delivery men? To which Koskovich replied, quote, they're easy to attack and I just want to experience the thrill of killing someone, end quote. Yeah, like you said, that used to be one of those dangerous jobs in the country just yeah. to be like, yeah, I guess I'll just answer this because- anonymous phone call and take this hot meal to a stranger mm-hmm. across town. 
Like I said, though, that's even scarier nowadays because so many people do that. It is, yes, but at least people at least get now, off work and then do that. Yeah, at least now you have like <laughs> at least there's some sort of like verification with the Uber and the too. tracking yeah, and yeah, the yeah. you got to get you know certified. You got to have like references to yeah. be a drive. Like, but yeah, back in the day, it was like yeah, you just hired some kid and sent them to the bad part of town but with you, the Domino's, but and we're like, don't good have, luck. But you don't have to give a lot of information to pay though. You oh really no, how don't. many how many times have you gotten food delivered and your your driver app says, oh, it's so and so and you'll see like this picture of somebody like they'll be here in 10 minutes yeah. and then the person who comes walking up with your food looks nothing like that person <laughs> not even remotely you're like, like you are not a samantha no they're covering <laughs> for somebody yeah it's like yeah. that's not hmm yep exactly so let's talk a little bit more about these pizza killers themselves uh, let's start with the 17-year-old Jason Arthur Vreeland he was born September 5th 1979 and according to him, he had a tough childhood. He often moved to different places and struggled with bullying at school. On one occasion, a bully even broke his arm. It's pretty rough. Jason recalls an incident where he was dragged out of a school bus by the bully while the bus driver did nothing to stop it. Like, you don't want to believe it, but you, we all we I've we seen both this. know that I've like seen... schools were, they were they yeah. just were rougher. So like, oh, back yeah, in the day. I've, I've seen this. Uh, Jason fought back when he was forced to defend himself. Uh, Vreeland said he started using drugs when he was 14 years old because he wanted to fit in with the other kids at school. And he found that the kids who used drugs didn't pick on him like the other kids did. Yeah, because they were all too stoned to care. Exactly. Uh, he remembers going to Tony's for pizza with his family when he was younger. He also knew Jeremy Giordano, so he hung up when he found out that Jeremy was working that night. That's what Andy was referring to the first time they called Tony's. They found out that Jeremy was working, so they immediately cut that off and called every other pizza place in the in the whole area. But the problem was Tony's Pizza w was in that area. They're the ones that delivered to that. They're area. the only ones They're who the would deliver ones. to that house. Yeah, and he's like, they he very clearly did not want to target somebody that he knew. They wanted yep. this to be a random, accidental, no traced back attack. But if, if they That's targeted right. somebody they knew, they could have like a connection to him, and it would, he would actually feel bad about that. So. I think I think that's also why Vreeland didn't shoot Jeremy. I think so. He as was well. on the other side of the car on purpose. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think he had no intention of shooting Jeremy. Um, apparently, no, because he would remember that. He yeah. would remember that face. He knew that yep. person. He knew him as a as a person and not yep. just a pizza delivery guy. Not just some random person. Um, but the the I would say the most cold blooded of the crew, Thomas Koskovich. Let's talk about him next. He was born May 6, nineteen seventy eight. His parents abandoned him, so his grandmother Bertha took care of him. However, Bertha had her own problems uh, with addiction to painkillers and alcohol, as well as gambling. Koskovich spent a lot of time with his uncle Leonard, who was a career criminal and a drug addict. Because of this influence, Koskovich started using drugs at a young age. Uh, he would steal pills from his grandmother and do them with his uncle. Allegedly, he started making narcotics with his uncle at age 10. I heard he was, it wasn't making the narcotics, but he was like prepping all the narcotics for his uncle to either use and or sell. Well, whatever. Like He's he, part like, of the process yeah, of distributing narcotics I at didn't 10 wanna, years old. I just didn't think of like a 10-year-old like Walter White, like with the beakers, like... <laughs> like I just nah, he's just weighing shit out. He <laughs> he's can do like, that. Yeah, he can read a bag. scale, right? I can read these numbers. Yeah, put it in the scale. There yeah, you go. Exactly. Wrap it up. Small hands. Wrap it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but both Vreeland and Koskovich were found guilty. And they were given life sentences. Vreeland will have a chance at parole October 14th, 2044, when he is 65 years old. And Koskovich will have a chance at parole October 20th, 2072, 
when it sounds like from a futuristic movie, when he is 94 years old, Ooh, if he makes it. Ripe young age. Yes, ripe young age indeed. And let's remember that Koskovich uh, was originally given the death sentence. Yeah. Like when he when they originally tried him, he was given the death sentence. And yeah. I think for 13 years, he sat with the death sentence until it was overturned. So, right, right, right. Yeah, so he was originally, they were like, no, you are kind of sick. Like, we need to go yeah. ahead and take you down. Yeah, you're staying in there, dude. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Tell me this, creepers. Do you, like me, lie in bed at night, begging for that sweet relief of sleep to take you, only to be kept awake by the out-of-control freight train that is every mistake you've ever made since birth? Oh yeah, creeps. That's a normal run-of-the-mill night for Andy here. Oh what? You thought this dark humor and wit came from talent? Oh no, baby. That's 100% homegrown trauma right there. And if you've got some trauma in your life as well, I want to let you know there's help available, even for you. I can speak for myself when I tell you that talking to someone about those traumatic things in your past, the ones that keep you up at night, it genuinely does help. Nothing gets any better by keeping all that stuff inside. So maybe it's time to open up a little bit, you know? If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com and use slash Creeper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Creeper. So give them a call and start your journey to a better life today. Um, but see, now let's talk a little about this book, uh, The Pizza Killers, just for the thrill of it, written by author uh, David, how, how would you say, Lausa? You think it'd be Lausa or Laosa? I would say, yeah, Laosa, maybe. Laosa? Okay, we'll call it Laosa. If it's wrong, blame Andy. Uh, <laughs> I'm no linguist. <laughs> but David Laosa talks of meeting future convicted killer Jason Vreeland for the first time at the Sussex Queen Diner just a week before Vreeland and Thomas Koskovich murdered the two pizza delivery men. Quote, I was there with a the girl having dinner, and Vreeland needed a ride home. His ride had left him, said Leosa. He was a very nice guy. We hung out for a couple hours. We didn't talk about murder or killing people or guns, nothing. We just talked about music, end quote. Well, yeah, I don't think Vreeland uh, was very... He, he wasn't quite as bold about it as no. Koskovich was, you know what I mean? He wasn't that stupid and also maybe at this point i mean you never know like a teenagers man it's like one day to the next they could decide to do something this was a week before everything might have been going just fine yeah he a may have just before, been before and you know he was in a completely could have been a different headspace yeah. thinking about different things he may have been hanging out with different people i mean yeah they'd be i think the, the two of them had only known each other uh reland and koskovich they'd only known each other for about a year they had met each other previously yeah. at, like, at this, you know, what was it, like the vocational technical school or something? Right, right, yeah. So it's like they'd only known each other for about a year. It wasn't like these two were lifelong friends or no, they had been no, grown no. up together. These were two people who just met yep. like, within the previous year and started kind of getting way too close and way too dark yep. together. Like I said, fire and gasoline, man, as soon as they met. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leosa was pretty pretty close to this. He he grew up in the town in the same county, um, and like I said, he knew he knew both of these boys. Um, and he says, "quote I thought I could write a book about this. The first EMT on the scene was a very close family friend, and then I went on a musical tour, and the sound guy on the tour was in jail with them. And Koskovich and Vreeland, 
That, that's who he's referring to. He was in jail with Koskovich and Freeland. Uh, and he said, throughout my life, it kind of weaved its way in. So Leosa gathered 389 pages of research from police reports of the murders to advertisements for Adventure Sports, the sporting goods store from which Koskovich and Michael Conklin uh, stole the guns from. And the book's research also included interviews with local residents, politicians, business people, Giordano's family, Koskovich's mother, and the killers themselves. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from Leosa. He says, I want to point out that neither of them ever apologized, said Leosa. I never heard the words, I'm sorry, come out of either of their mouths. That's something that the father, one of the fathers of the victims has openly says, like, why he can never forgive the two, yeah. the two men, because neither of them have ever just expressed any guilt or no. remorse for what they did. They kind of just wore it as almost like a badge and just yeah. went to prison. Yep. So... Yeah, Leosa said he never asked uh, Koskovich or Vreeland to apologize because he wanted them to be forthcoming about it, not because he asked for it. Uh, Leosa interviewed Vreeland face-to-face in state prison, but also sent both men a list of 250 questions that ranged from asking them about their childhoods to asking if they got beat up in jail. One of the things that Luis, uh, Leosa took away from his correspondence with the duo is that they never expected to get caught after the murders. Yeah, no shit. That's no, why they're not still not apologizing because they're still like that. This wasn't supposed to happen. You two, you're this two wasn't... young, stupid teenagers who thought you could get away with a like a like a yeah, they hastily planned murder. Yeah. You didn't, this was, like you said, this was not a plan. This wasn't like stalking no. and kind of kind of hiding all the evidence and burying the, no, you guys just kind of left the bodies. You took the stuff, you hid it under a window pane, apparently, yep. and then got caught immediately the next day. You went to a fucking public place, asked them for these things. You had security cameras. Yeah, these are just two stupid teenagers exactly. who had no idea how the world worked. No idea. Here's another quote from Leosa. It says, uh, Jason said that several times that they wouldn't get caught. Uh, that's why they didn't run away. And that's why they didn't wear gloves to avoid fingerprints at the phone booths, Leosa God. said. Uh, Thomas Koskovich got away with the burglary of Adventure Sports, and they assumed that they could get away with the murders as well, end quote. Yeah, because the police so definitely put the same amount of effort into solving a local sporting goods store robbery right, right. than a double homicide. Exactly. <laughs> same amount of effort, yeah, I guarantee definitely. you. Same amount of people on the case. How hard could it be? <laughs> same right. amount of manpower out there. All the same detectives. Seriously. Uh, Vreeland told Leosa the plan after the murders was to continue a crime spree that included robbing and stealing cars. Well, if they're robbing people like they are in this, this would have been an awful ki- uh, freaking murder spree. Dude. Yeah, it's like, did you think this Wouldn't was going to be Grand Theft Auto? a murder spree. Yeah, this was not going to be Grand Theft Auto. You what Grand Theft Auto was out then? Was it number maybe, three? No, that would have been like one or two. By that, 97, maybe. Are you maybe. sure? Oh, yeah. That would have been, been top-down GTA. Well, dude, Vice been... City, no, San Andreas came out in like 99. Really? I think that's like 2001, 2002. But still, these guys, like, I don't know what they could have thought was going to happen. It's like you didn't have any, like, you didn't have an an after plan. You didn't have, like, a backup plan or an escape plan or, like, well, what if this happens? What You guys had nothing. You're just like, we won't get caught. That's 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 your whole plan. Not only will we not get caught, we're going to go on a whole robin spree. This shit's easy. No gloves. (laughs) They won't. They they don't have our fingerprints. What are they going to do? Like, they're not going to know who we are, man. No, dude. They always know. This gives some more insight into uh, Vreeland's mindset. Leosa said he never referred to the incident as a murder, but always as a robbery. At most, a robbery gone wrong. That's it. 
So Vreeland, in Leosa's opinion, hasn't yet accepted that he and Koskovich went to the abandoned house with guns loaded to kill someone. Yeah, they did he, not he try hasn't. to rob. It's like, that's what I was talking about earlier. I feel like he's not he's not ready to really admit, even to himself, like what he really did. No, he's he, not. He murdered somebody that he knew, and, or maybe not, or he assisted in the murder of somebody that he knew, and he killed somebody else. And he wants to just blame. He wants to just say, "Oh, it was it was Koskovich. He he manipulated me. I I didn't really fire. I was just trying to impress him. And yeah, I, I, we just I had to do it because he was. He said we'd get away with. It. No, it's like you you executed somebody. We know this. Yep. And you still think, well, we were just robbing them. It's like, no. If it was a robbery, you wouldn't have just literally had them roll down the window like a mafia hit. Right. Because exactly. that's what that was something that Koskovich had like, I think it was Koskovich or maybe it was Vreeland who like talked about he wanted to be a hitman one day and wanted mm-hmm. to be one of those kind of I wanna I, I think one yeah, of them brought yeah. a sawed-off shotgun to the campus of the vocational school one day to like show his friends. He was like, yep. look what I got. I know it's illegal, but look how cool it is. Like, yeah. No, dude, that's never cool. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like I said, guys, check out the book, uh, The Pizza Killers, if you want to learn more uh, by David Leosa. It's about 50, 151 pages, 11 chapters, and it covers everything from the adventure sports burglary to the trials of Koskovich and Vreeland and uh, to Koskovich witnessing a murder the inches from him while sitting on death row. So you get some you get some other stories that don't really pertain to their case. It's just them trying to to make themselves gain some empathy or whatever. I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. But enough about them. Let's let's take a minute here at the end of the show and let's talk about the victims. Let's talk about the lives that were lost because um, they didn't just kill anyone. They they ruined they ruined a, a whole family, two families actually, and they took two pillars of the community that were that were good, hardworking people. Um, and in 2017, 20 years after the event, the First Baptist Church of Sussex held a service to honor the victims of what they coined the thrill killings or the pizza murders. Uh, Jeremy Giordano's family has been part of the church for a long time. He was the younger one that knew Vreeland. Um, so let's take a minute to talk about Jeremy. Uh, Giordano was born on January 5th, 1975 to Joseph and Loretta. He attended Wallkill Valley High School and graduated in 1994 where he was part of the wrestling team. In his book, Leosa quotes his father, Joseph, saying that he wasn't the best, but he always gave his all. None of us were the best at high school wrestling. That's right. It's, 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 that's, it's high school wrestling. None of you were the best. None of you are the best in high school sports, <laughs> period. Uh, his mother, Loretta, mentioned that Jeremy was also there for his family and would even assist them when they needed financial help. Now, on the other hand, Jeremy's cousin, Nicholas, revealed that some relatives still struggle to come to terms with his death. In fact, they almost idolize Jeremy now, uh, referring to him as, quote, Saint Jeremy. Nicholas confessed that he thinks about Jeremy's absence every single day. Um, Loretta, Jeremy's mother, as quoted by Laosa, explains that after Jeremy's death, their family became emotionally distant. They didn't know how to express their feelings or talk to each other, and this caused them to physically separate as well. Whenever one of them starts feeling hurt, it affects the others too, and leading to more pain, friction, and ultimately more separation for their family. Uh, unfortunately, many of the Giordano family, just they just haven't gotten over it. Um, now, as far as Giorgio Galara, he graduated. He was the owner of Tony's Pizza. Uh, he graduated from High Point High School and started working at Tony's Pizza and Pasta in 1988. 
He saved up money and bought the restaurant from the owner when he was 21 in 1993. Now, Damn. buying a pizza place in New Jersey in 93, that's a good-ass investment. At 21, dude. At 21. Like, that is that, a real deal. Like, that's a real, like, kind of... He was uh, a hustler, dude. That's a, like an American dream story right there. It's like, I'm going to work at this pizza place. 10 that's, years, I'm going to own this pizza place. That's the dream of the place. 90s, though. The 90s, the economy was booming. It was the shit. And everybody kind of had that mentality back then. It's like, I'm going to get a job at this at this restaurant or at yeah. this company. And in a, several years, could, I'm going to own a, it. I'm that was a reality it. then, though. The cost yeah. of living was so low. There's so many things you could do to save money and make money. It was just... Now it's just up and up and up, man. People can't get ahead. I mean, yeah, look, two pizzas back then for $16. That's a good deal. Like, what a bargain. It's a bitch. You know what? Give me four. Yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> but soon after, uh, he had a daughter after he, he bought the pizza place named Caitlin uh, with his girlfriend, Laura Pierce. Galara was also very passionate about camping. On the night of his murder, Galara and Laura had plans to go camping, actually. Uh, Laura waited for him in Tony's parking lot, but he never returned. Caitlin Peer, Galara's daughter, has been deeply affected by his death and thinks about her daddy every day. I still can't believe now, that was another thing that they were like, he, that was just another sad part. It's like the owner, they were about to close up basically. Him yeah. and his girlfriend were going to go camping and Jeremy was supposed to go out on one, like one last delivery. That's right. And then uh, the owner was just like, I don't feel safe about this. I'm going to ride with you. Yep. We'll go knock this out. We'll come back. I'm going to leave straight from the restaurant to go camping. Like my girlfriend's waiting on me here. Yep. Like it was supposed to just be like one last run of the night at, like I said, 10 o'clock is when they called. That's, dude, a, he that's just, a late pizza run. Just doing that. And he went above and beyond, you know, mm -hmm. that boss could have easily been like, nah, nah, I'm going camping. Uh, yeah. Go lock ahead. up when you get back. Exactly. Here's the keys, whatever you lock up tonight. But he didn't. He had a bad feeling, and he went with his employee and ended up losing his life. But to me, I mean, he went out a legend. Like, what a move, mm -hmm. honestly. And according to former Tony's employee, Todd, I, Todd, uh, Galara was a dedicated worker who knew the area well, and he would work from open to close. And he had extensive knowledge of local of the local surroundings and the, and the whole community. I mean, he grew up there. You know, he just... You working it for is, a pizza place for like that many years too? You probably started as a delivery driver. Especially in the Northeast, man, you got to know your pizza up there. You knew your you knew your delivery routes, you knew yeah. your area, you knew your customers. There wasn't you, no yeah. Google Maps. Nah, man, you had the, you had to memorize <laughs> the routes. You knew where the traffic yeah. lights were. The he shortcuts. Probably got, he was like, "Come on, I know where damn Todd Street is." Let's oh go. yeah, part are you at Scott Street? Scott yeah, Street. It's pretty far, but we we can make it back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. Back in the day, you had to be very comfortable driving around, knowing yep. your area, and for me to own a pizzeria in New Jersey in, yeah. at a time when that's the only food you're getting delivered, besides yeah. maybe some like local Chinese takeout if you're in like New York City or something. Right, right. So yeah, like, this yeah. dude knew his shit, man, and it's it sucks that such a pillar of the community and a hardworking, hardworking person and a family man was was taken. Um, it's, it's always sad, but this is something that I, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be more conscious of moving forward and true crime guys are shedding more light on these victims. And I thought that this was a great way to end this episode on a more positive light. Um, because when you're looking at this case, everybody is so shocked that they, they, they just want to kill somebody. They just want to feel like how it felt. Can you believe that? These guys are psychos and they forget that two hardworking, innocent people who were trying to do the right thing lost their lives that night. And, yeah. um, so that's how I wanted to end this show. As well, 
as a little antidote for you <laughs> to kind of brighten the mood. Right, Andy? Right, Do you have Michael. one this week? I do have one last. <laughs> I this was about week, to fire you if you didn't have it this listen, week, honestly. Last week, guys, I don't know if you could tell by some of the performance I was giving last <laughs> week. I had a bit of an incident before we started recording. Yeah. If you, you can see on our uh-huh. YouTube videos yeah, in look stunning at this on the video. almost 4K, I destroyed my ring finger, basically threw it off my hand, uh-huh. and I'm going to have to go have some surgery to fix all the tendons and the ligaments. It's a nice little it's a nice little scar I'm going to have there. Great. So yes, now this week I'm back on my duties, <laughs> back on my one job. He suffered through the episode last week. I, I, the whole episode, Props guys, I had an ice pack under the table yeah. and just sitting there holding my hands, sweating as it Happened swelled right up. before we started. I was like, dude, we got to do this episode. We got to record, man. We See, already got that's to dedication. That's what we do. You know, that's what we do. But all right, what do you got for me today, Andy? So if our listeners may have been kind of keeping up with these things, I know you guys are going to hear this at a date where this has already happened about a week or so ago where you guys hear this. But if everybody was kind of keeping track of this escaped Pennsylvania prisoner. Yes. The guy that scaled the walls. Yes. The guy who just reversed crab walked the wall. Yeah. That was awesome, actually. Just just America Ninja Warrior himself out of the prison. These guys are just sitting in here getting ripped, man. You got to make better cages. You got to put a ceiling on that thing, man. Put a lid on that cage. Put put a lid on that box. Put a on that thing, man. But yeah, guys, if you're remembering, if you guys have heard about this this Pennsylvania murderer named Daniel uh, Cavacante, Cavacante, This guy was a Brazilian citizen who was actually arrested in America after murdering his girlfriend several years ago, after Mm. also murdering someone in Brazil. Ah. So this guy was legitimately a danger to the public. Sounds like it. He was on the loose for about 10 days. And people kept seeing him pop up on different like trail cams and like ring doorbells or like signet. <laughs> it's like Sasquatch out there running he around. He was just like, oh, 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 there he is, there he is, oh, there, he goes. there he goes. Oh, I bet. I can just get clear this footage up. Right. <laughs> just got grainy He's black just, and like, white footage in between trees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a black and white outline. Of the- but uh, this guy was finally apprehended a few days ago on Wednesday, and around one a.m., a fucking army finally came down on this man because they Whoa. were genuinely terrified. Five star wanted level, am I right? This, yes, he literally had the helicopter. <laughs> he had the aircraft following him with heat sensors. Yeah, this man Good. was. This man had a five star wanted level at this point because he had broken into a home. He had stolen a rifle. This guy was like ready to defend himself or try to get the fuck out of Dodge. But at around 1 a.m. Wednesday, an aircraft that was flying above the search area picked up a heat signature. Mm-hmm. And they decided to call in a, tw- a team of 20 to 25 tactical officers Dang. to come and storm the area. A storm actually forced the aircraft out, but the rest of the people just went in on foot. They found him lying on top of the rifle he had stolen, and he attempted to try and flee by crawling through a thick underbrush. But guess who got him, baby? A dog. A good old dog a good named. boy. And guess what their yeah. name is? What's his name? Yoda. Oh, I'm I had to Yoda. pick this stuff. Oh. Listen, I'm not letting this story go. A oh good boy God. named Yoda caught this person. Yeah, I'm, we got to put Yoda on the screen. Yoda oh, is such a good. A badass. That is a Jedi master of a police dog right yeah. there. This guy apparently tried to crawl through a brush and Yoda bit the fuck out of him. Subdued mm. by a police dog who bit him as he was crawling through the, th- the underbrush, he received a scalp injury before Ooh. latching his teeth onto the convict's inner thigh, at which time he immediately submitted. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say that was probably a little bit higher than the thigh. You know, I've, I've seen where some of those police dogs go for a, <laughs> yeah. for a lunge. Yeah. 
They're not yeah. fucking around. And I think when Yoda had this guy by the dick, um, I think he was about ready to give yeah. up. <laughs> you got I, me. You uh, got me. The officer says, I think he was in pain at that point. He was probably in excruciating pain, actually. Yeah. You think this dog is trying to kill him in a brush? And you're like, okay, okay. All right. Come on, boy. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think he learned his lesson. Like you were just like yeah. a Django Unchained, just getting ripped apart by this dog. Oof. You're like, oh, yeah, you're going to get out of our prison, huh? You know, uh-huh. You're not going to climb to our walls now, are you? No, sir. <laughs> just let no, this sir. man get eaten by a dog. But I just wanted to share this good boy, or is it a girl? I can't remember. Yoda, she's such a precious, good little dog right here. Right. Like, very beautiful dog, but, like, it also kind of looks like a killing machine. Kind of looks like a badass. I love German Shepherds, and she's like a, I guess what they call a sable, like a dark brown and black mix, and mm, she looks badass. Oh, I think she's actually one of the, what is it, the Malamute? Yeah, she's a Belgian Malamute. Oh, okay, yeah. Even more yeah. badass. Yeah, she's a, she's a pretty tough cat right there. But yeah, I wanted to share you guys. If you guys were in the Pennsylvania area, you're probably already yeah. really attached to this escaped murderer. Well, that video went viral of him, you know, scaling that wall. Yeah, I love how he did that right in front that of the camera. Area. Yeah, like it's almost well, I mean, like all of it's on camera. I know it's right? it's almost like you kind of wanted to see him like look up at the camera and be like, watch, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like just be like, yeah. I'm out. Like kind of like it Ted is, Bundy going through the ceiling dude, or something like it that. It is though. crazy how fast he was able to get up that wall and get. He out did of that, like he just like I said, American Ninja Warrior just yeah. up that wall real quick. And he's and not even gone. that tall. They need to spread those walls out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I mean nine foot wingspan, nine foot wingspan. Come right, on. this guy. I mean, he's shorter than like every officer that arrested him. Um, yeah, when you see him getting taken away too, he's got blood just coming down his face from where the dog just attacked his fucking head. Mm. But yeah, this guy right here, he was definitely a threat to this uh, this local community. And I'm glad that he was finally subdued. He's going to be going right back to prison, yep. hopefully in a sealed container. But uh, that, yeah. yeah, guys, that was my Andy dote this week. I was going to share some Very good nice. news of this local prisoner who's finally gotten back in custody and the good girl named Yoda who got the, the final just chomp at the apple. All right. Well, thanks, Andy. Thank you very much for that antidote. That yep. is that's good to know, man. I yeah, when I saw that video, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that guy looked. How dangerous. could they like, let that happen? How has that not happened before? How is yeah, how is he the first one to be like, wait a minute? Do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he's not even that tall. I mean, this guy's might be five eight, five yeah, seven. Uh I mean, a six foot person would have even more leverage to press up in that gap and could easily get out of there. Yeah, I could have damn near just put my arms out and just been like, whip, <laughs> hip, hip. <laughs> like, it's not that wide. It's yeah. not a, like a wide hallway. <laughs> That's right. Well, he was, he was, he would looked really cool on the camera too. Like as far as like not stressed out is what I mean. Not like cool. I mean, I guess it's pretty cool that he did that, but. It didn't look like he was struggling. I gotta admit, that's gonna sound really cool in a biography at the end. Not so much of the killing people, but that part. He's gonna look cool when he gets back uh, in prison. They're like, oh, you that yeah. guy, like Spider-Man uh, out of here? That that's guy. cool. Bro, Spider-Man, he's back. Like, we all tried that. They shot us. <laughs> we all tried after you. They just beanbagged our ass immediately. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh, like I was, was going to say, man, he kept his cool, but he, he probably could have used some Oh My Gaia. You know what I'm saying? But that wouldn't have helped because the uh, the scent dogs would have definitely found oh, him Oh, they would have caught his ass real yeah, quick. Yeah, they'd be, be like, like mm, that smells amazing. Something is delicious in this brush. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what is it, a lumberjack? <laughs> hey, hey, if, you smell, you smell honey guy, <laughs> If you guys haven't yet, got to check out Oh My Gaia for all your all-natural deodorant, uh, scented oil, all that good stuff. 
Oh My Gaia is an innovative all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. And at Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. It's paraben and aluminum wreak havoc on your body and your hormones, people. You don't want to put them in your armpits anymore. You don't want to just clog up all those pores with no, aluminum? No, don't do it. Don't you, do you it. Want, you want to just take a take a soda can, just stick it in your armpit and just leave it there? Right. No. You want to put some that all doesn't sound natural, healthy. oh my God. Get some Reynolds wrap. And just, <laughs> yeah. Right? Aluminum foil. Just, <laughs> <laughs> but guys, there there is definitely a scent for you from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack. There's pear, sweet pea, sailor, barbershop, and we have our very own scent dedicated to true crime guys called True Crime Pine. If you guys don't know where to start, I highly recommend there. It has our OG podcast logo on it back when me and Lauren's mugshots uh, were on the logo. That is the sticker for the True Crime Pine. Very cool. Uh, we love working with Oh My Gaia. And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off your order at shop underscore Oh My Gaia on Instagram as well as OhMyGaia.com. You want to get some of that, guys? I put some on my beard every once in a while and get my beard all nice yes, and soft Yes, the beard oil is great. It really is. It oh, really yeah. is. Um, it kind of helps you shape your beard too. Mm-hmm. You know, like in between trims, you know, you got these these hairs that want to stick out all scraggly. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You put a little beard oil in there, it kind of tames the beast. Mm-hmm. Makes it look like one nice cohesive unit. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be wild things out here. You, you know look, what I'm saying. You want to look suave and smooth. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell or whatever the hell they have on YouTube so you know when we're uploading videos. Smash um, that like button. Yeah, smash the buttons, man. Whatever you got to do, whatever you guys got to do. Um, also, smash that Patreon button. It's right below the link in this description. You can go to everything true crime, guys. You'll see it in all caps right below the description of this episode. Click that link. That'll take you to our link tree, and you can find everything there from our YouTube channel, our Spotify page, uh, patreon.com, merch, all the good stuff, guys, right below. You can follow us on social media, at True Crime Guys, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All the good stuff. Andy, am I leaving out anything? Oh, no. I think we probably just need to uh, start correcting ourselves now because it's actually... X. X. Yeah, that's that's going to take me a while. Yeah, it's not working out so far. Nah, <laughs> it's not working out. Uh, but anyways, guys, we'll see you back here. No, we'll be on Patreon for our regular True Crime Guys episode, this style episode. But we will see you here on the free platform with headlines and shenanigans next week. And uh, until then, I guess you just have to keep creeping. Mm-hmm. All right, see you guys. Bye. You hush your mouth, boy.